We're now nine episodes into this podcast, and I am having the time of my life. I mentioned in a previous episode that the hours can be a bit of a bummer, thanks to Mountain Standard Time. But there is one universal constant that has made the expats possible, my partner, Rachel. Without her, I wouldn't remember to eat or sleep, and I certainly wouldn't have created a show that has been as well-received. It's because Rachel pushes and supports me that The Expats has been such an early and continued success. So to the girl of my dreams, I say, thanks, babe. I love you. And here's what Rachel has to say. Remember to like The Expats on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And let's continue building this network of Canadians living abroad. Look for Expats Podcast on Twitter and point your browser to facebook.com slash expatspodcast and throw us a follow or a like. Because who knows? Maybe you'll make a friend or two and find yourself with a couch to sleep on the next time you're in Ecuador or Dubai or the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg or the moon. Thanks for listening. And now on with the show. My father, Walter Louis Lambert Arnold Rosenhart, was born on March 9th, 1945. One of the middle children in a family of five kids and two parents, my dad grew up in Helene in the Netherlands wearing short pants and clogs. Some years after he was born, my Oma and Opa decided that post-war Europe wasn't the place they wanted to raise their kids. They booked passage on a boat and moved to Canada, landing in Halifax and eventually making their way to Alberta. As a first-generation Canadian, I've been exposed to various aspects of Dutch culture throughout my youth. Most of that exposure centered around food and holiday traditions, like Midnight Mass at Christmas, and the arrival of the super-racist Black Pete on December 5th. Though I was never really immersed in Dutch culture, it was always a part of my life and the lives of my brothers growing up. And though it's ridiculous that I've never visited my father's homeland, this show has finally somewhat opened that door. Join me as I chat with two Canadians who realized that life is too short to not throw everything you own into storage and start fresh in the land of bicycles and windmills here on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. In life, shit happens. It certainly did to Erica and Brian Shuchuk, who decided to leave Canada and start a new life in Harlem in the Netherlands, along with their cat, Nougat. But it sounds like the two of them had a relatively soft landing, all things considered. A sort of. I mean, Erica's family is Dutch, and you know what they say, if you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. I'm actually a dual citizen. Um, I didn't get my citizenship um, till, well, I guess it was about 15 years ago or so. I'm pretty much through and through Canadian, but uh, technically I'm a Dutch citizen. So I've always wanted to kind of earn that citizenship um, by coming here and learning the language and learning to live here. I also kind of wanted to be that kind of adventurous person that just leaves their life and starts somewhere fresh. And I've, I've always wanted to ride bicycles for every rhyme and reason. That's, that's just kind of a thing I've always had. Even in Edmonton, when we were living there, 
I was obsessed with riding my bike even when it was minus 40 to work. I was one of those crazy people. So I've always also wanted to come here, but for different reasons in Erica. But I think we both we both kind of really enjoy the the bicycle culture and just kind of Dutch stuff. So that's interesting because, uh, you know, that's the first time I've ever had, I've ever interviewed someone who said, the reason I left is because of bicycles. <laughs> well, and, well, you know what? And in Edmonton, I wasn't always a bicycle person. I, I, before we moved here, I actually had two vehicles and three bicycles. And I think it was just kind of a, a strange combination. But we, we always have, I don't know, we've, it's always been there in, in the back of our minds that, you know, sure, cycling is healthier and it's better for you. It's really difficult to do in Edmonton, though. It really is. Um, but, you know, I, Erica and I, we would commute as much as possible by, by th- bicycle. And just, it's, it's incredible the, the differences in other parts of the world, really. And it's, it's really like one of the, I would say, primary modes of transportation, certainly in Amsterdam and Harlem, right? Definitely. Um, in the center, definitely. There, We were just talking about it. There are more cars here maybe than we expected, but everybody has a bicycle and everybody is using their bicycle even if they use their car sometimes. Yeah, there's some kind of strange statistic where on average people own like 2.1 bicycles, <laughs> something like that. Um, um, but it, you really do notice it. Even today, it's a very rainy day. And being in Harlem, we're, we're closer to the North Sea than Amsterdam. So it, it rains, you know, I, I guess this time of year it rains quite a bit. And we still can look out our window any time of day or night and we see um, somebody riding by on a bicycle, holding an umbrella in one hand, maybe not even wearing rain gear, just looking completely soaked, <laughs> but, but doing something that they need to do or want to do. So That's really interesting. The thing that I always wonder about is, do you have a really fantastic expensive bike or are you riding something that uh, you wouldn't be too upset if it was stolen? Is bike theft a big deal over there? Bike theft is definitely a big deal here. I think most people get their bike stolen at least once in their life here. Um, Living in Harlem, I think it's a little bit less of an issue. Uh, So I have a secondhand bike, but I think it's a pretty cool bike. Um, You want to your bike? Yeah, my bike's the same. It's when we both got secondhand bikes just because that's what we were told to do. Like, don't get a fancy bike because you're going to get, your bicycle will get stolen. <laughs> and inevitably, our bicycles probably will be stolen at some point. But in our first six months, they have not yet been stolen. So we're happy about that. But definitely not fancy bicycles. I guess by Edmonton and North American standards, they'd be probably still more expensive than a Canadian tire bicycle. But oh, okay. Over here, their bicycles are very expensive. Even for an absolute junker rust bucket, it'll still set you back about 150 euros. Oh wow! Okay. Earlier, Erica, you said uh, you know you're you're obviously you're you've got some some Dutch heritage. You decide to move to to the Netherlands. You haul Brian along with you. You know, was did you have any jobs lined up, or was this just about getting over there and and figuring out how to live? Uh, in the Netherlands? Uh, this was really just about getting here. We uh, we had a difficult year the year before that we left. Um, do you want to? Yeah, my mother uh, passed away. She had a brain tumor and it, and it kind of is one of those sudden life things that just came up and it really affected us deeply and 
in negative ways and in this sense going through the experience um, seeing her you know her life change and our lives change and realizing that we don't really have time left to think about doing things like this we just if we've already decided to do it we should just do it yeah so we just uh, once we made the decision within a couple months we just packed everything up put it in storage packed our three suitcases <laughs> got our cat ready to come with us and uh, left. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Uh, and my condolences uh, on the loss of your mother. That's that's terrible news. But it sounds like, you know, part of it was a driver to get you to maybe step outside of your comfort zones a little bit, which is, which is you know, not something I hear a lot about uh, that being a catalyst on the show. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I had a really long term job with a, with a local company in Edmonton for almost a decade. It was my first big job and I stayed there for quite some time. So it was it was really it was really one of those things where you're like, oh I got this good thing and I don't want to let go of it, but I could be one of those people that live lives here and works at the same company for fifty years <laughs> or I could just suddenly cancel that and do something completely different. So there was a lot of like really um, I don't know. Lots of like drinking nights <laughs> and and trying to figure it out. Um, but in, in the end, it wasn't a, a difficult decision. The most difficult thing for us probably was once we got over here, trying to figure out all the paperwork. Um, for me, at least, being a Canadian, on how I can get insurance and how I can d- live here. Yeah. So obviously a difficult decision led to you making the decision to go over there, but I don't imagine leaving, you know, the rest of your family in Canada was very easy. What, what did that feel like? I don't know. I guess I particularly had been talking about this uh, fantastical idea of moving to the Netherlands for quite some time, probably since I was in high school. And I think just people got used to just hearing it and thinking I'd never do it. And my family in particular wasn't really, I don't think, thrilled. I think they would have thought that I should keep my job and have a regular life in Canada where there's, you know, so many opportunities. But uh, I guess once I made the decision, they just uh, maybe were shocked that I was actually going through with it. And and uh, I think they were supportive. I don't I don't know. Brian's family yeah, was think, pretty good about it. I think I had the same thing, though. When I, when I first told my father... He kind of he kind of looked shocked, and he was like, "Well, I didn't really think you would do it. I thought you would do it, but I never really thought about you actually doing it." So when I when I told him this, he was just kind of he was sho- he was happy but shocked <laughs> to to describe it that way. So uh, given given the the dismay of your family, have they have they visited or made plans to visit you guys over there yet? Yeah, we've got some plans. Uh, some people are coming at the end of uh, October for my birthday, and we've got some people coming for Christmas. So that will be really nice to be able to celebrate the holidays with, with some family. Yeah, and show <laughs> and show them this interesting new place that you're living too. Yeah, it's quite different than uh, than what is regular, I think, in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how what they think of it is as well. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some of those differences. I mean, uh, you know, you think of a place like like Amsterdam or Harlem uh, and not being all that different from Canada, but what are some of the major things that you guys have noticed that you were just like, oh, well, I've never done it that way before? 
Well, f- um, for m- well, I guess for both of us, getting groceries every day, <laughs> like yeah, literally, that's a weird one. literally going to the grocery store every day for something because our refrigerator is so small and we don't have uh, a freezer, and it's there's just basically no way you could possibly eat dinner out every day and still have money to live. It's very yeah. expensive to eat out, um, but on the flip side, going to the grocery store, um, you can always find good quality food. Um, the The key thing is you need to pretty much go there every day because you don't have storage for it. But it's but that's very regular here. Like we were talking to a Dutch friend and she was trying to understand like how it's done other places like in Canada. And we were trying to explain like you might go on the weekend and do a haul for like a week or two weeks. Um, and she was like, but how like every day don't you just how do you keep your food fresh? Like don't you choose what you want to eat every day and just go get it <laughs> from the store? <laughs> So that was a, a bit of an adjustment. Our first few grocery trips, we were carrying bags and bags of stuff. Um, Brian brought home a bunch of stuff for the freezer that we don't have. <laughs> yeah, when we first when we first moved in, we had all this IKEA furniture in our, in our apartment, and I thought I'd get a treat for us. So I bought a six pack of Magnum ice cream bars, and I got them home. And Erica just looked at me and she said, "Like, are you kidding me? Like." <laughs> We need to eat all of these now because we don't have a freezer. And I didn't, I didn't even think of it. It just, it's just kind of natural that if you have a refrigerator, it has a freezer built in. But it's one of those little details that we just didn't even think of. Now, you've got your cat Nougat with you. Uh, and I, I have a cat, and she doesn't even like going in the car. What was it like transporting an animal across an ocean? Did you have to, like, quarantine her or anything like that or him? Stressful. It was, yeah, it was pretty stressful. Um, actually, coming here, there was no quarantine. There was uh, a lot of paperwork we had to fill out. Um, but in the end, I think we begged like 10 people to look at our paperwork because we spent so much time trying to get it all together. And nobody really cared <laughs> to see it. So that was kind of funny. He did not enjoy the flight, I wouldn't say. He was quite weird. It took him... Um, few days I guess to get over it but yeah. he's he's adjusted pretty well uh, since we moved here we moved to three different apartments and he'd never moved before so this was um, trial by fire I guess <laughs> oh my God. But he adjusted he adjusted quite well yeah I think I think one of the highlights for me with nougat was when we moved into our actual apartment that we're in now that we have a have a lease for um, our, our more permanent place, obviously, we had to move uh, using um, a cargo bicycle. And here it's called a Bakfeet. And it's just basically, as you can imagine, a, bi- a, a bicycle with a big box on the front. And you can fit, you know, four children, <laughs> a cat, your luggage for your entire life, or whatever it may be. Uh, but we didn't get the possession of our apartment until 1 p.m., so we had to vacate our previous apartment at something like 9.30 in the morning. So we basically moved our entire life in this backfeats with nougat in a little crate on top of it, <laughs> and we sat in a park for about three hours, and just kind of, it was just kind of a really strange life experience, something you never really can imagine, and I, I don't think it'll ever happen again to us. So... It's just a really strange but happy moment. It sounds like you know you were you were actually homeless for three hours. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and we had a little cat, and so some of our most fond memories are from that moment. We had him on a leash to give him a little break, and he was he was running around in this little park between all these old Dutch buildings, and people were walking by us and trying to figure out what the hell are these people doing. And eventually, with our limited Dutch, I told some lady, "We're from Canada," <laughs> and she and she basically said, "Oh well." You'll love it here. People on the street are very nice. And it was like, well, like, I guess that's good. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of somewhat a, a validation. Um, and she didn't really think that we were that weird either because it, it was probably quite normal. I, I think that we had all of our crap in this back feats and we were sitting out there in a park. It didn't seem that strange to them, but we felt kind of, I guess, a little bit embarrassed. But now watch that's... Yeah. Watch this. There's going to be this new like Canadian stereotype that that the Dutch believe that that Canadians are out there walking their cats. <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so you guys are learning. You're learning Dutch. Uh, that I mean, I I have to tell you, I am Dutch. I am Dutch. My dad's from from the Netherlands. And, oh wow. And uh, I don't speak a word of it. And it always sounds deeply confusing and difficult. So what what are some of the challenges of learning the language? Oh, geez, like everything. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've, like, it's funny. Like, my, fam my grandparents speak Dutch. My dad speaks Dutch. But uh, it wasn't, we didn't get taught Dutch as kids. So, so I've had some familiarity with the sound of it. So that doesn't strike me as weird, even if it strikes Brian sometimes as a bit weird. <laughs> Um, There's a lot of saliva, like a lot <laughs> of saliva. Yeah. Uh, we've tried like every method in the book, I guess, since we've been here, uh, trying to pick it up in different ways, watching soap operas in Dutch and uh, using Google Translate, and we started taking some Dutch lessons as well, but it's it's quite confusing. When we first came here, people were telling us it's one of the most difficult languages to learn. I don't know if they're just trying to make us feel better or <laughs> if it's true. It certainly seems true while we're, while we're trying. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the biggest challenge is, for me is knowing that there are some words that are similar, mm -hmm. <clears throat> but when you take a look at some words you believe are similar, you think they're similar, then you look up the definition of them and you look at the context in which you use them and which order the, the, the verbs are and everything in a sentence. And certain words mean different things in different contexts, just like in English, obviously. But it, it's just challenging for us lazy English people that come from North America and travel everywhere in the world. And basically, everybody looks at you and just starts speaking English. Yeah. If, you, if you go to Thailand, they just start speaking English to you. If you go any tourist destination in Mexico, everybody speaks English because they know that you probably only speak English. So we're somewhat, um, I don't know, I guess we're very spoiled. And I think a good experience for us was when we went to the south of the Netherlands, we went on a uh, tour in a town called Valkenburg of this old um, cave system and fort from, I don't know, a who knows, a thousand years ago. And we went in there and we registered for a tour and they didn't offer English tours. And I think that was a real turning point for us when we realized, wow, you know what? We're in a place now where English isn't uh, a dominant language and we have to go through this tour in Dutch. And it really, it was really shocking but eye-opening because in most of the Netherlands, everybody speaks English. You can 
open your mouth and say something in English and they'll know how to reply. But when we went to this place in the South, it it just kind of shocked us and it was it was a good experience to be that person on the other side of the fence. So you need to try and figure it out. So where we live, it's not necessarily you need to speak Dutch, but we've taken it upon ourselves to to, to try. <laughs> That's great. That sounds awesome. I, I, I want to switch gears now and talk about the food because, you know, there's there's some really outstanding food with some some Asian influence in, in the Netherlands. Have you guys, uh, are you are you really big on pickled herring now? <laughs> I wouldn't touch it, but Brian <laughs> enjoys some. I, I enjoy it, yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's weird, but I guess it's healthy. I mean, there's protein, <laughs> salt. <laughs> but Indonesian food is, is everywhere here. There are Indonesian restaurants all over the place. And in the, in the grocery store, um, yeah, you can always find Indonesian-influenced dishes. Even though the Netherlands no, like, basically lost any control over Indonesia in 19, I think it was 1947, it was a long time ago, but there's still that, that connection. But you're saying that, that eating out is, is really expensive there, eh? Uh, yeah, it, it, one time we just went out with a few friends, four people, and the bill was something like 100 and, 110 euros, and it was the kind of food that uh, equivalently back home you'd get at Moxie's kind of thing. So oh, I'm like... Wow. Kind of thinking maybe maybe you know the quality is decent, but it's not like a really fancy place. But it just doesn't seem like you can do that that often, you know. Yeah, it's more of a treat there than a than a way of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like people here might like eat a sandwich before they go out for dinner or something. Like, and then <laughs> just <laughs> people yeah. eating sandwiches all the time. <laughs> yeah, they love sandwiches. Yeah, and and have like one Belgian beer that lasts you like an hour and just sit in the sun. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the style. Yeah. Oh wow, it's very very laid back. Given that you've you've been away now for how long? Uh, about six months. Okay. Is there is there anything that you guys really really miss about Canada? Um, my answer would be the sun. I think <laughs> I think I expected uh, that the weather here was going to be beautiful because um, I knew it was more mild. Um, <laughs> But I guess what happens is when it's more mild, like you don't get the nasty lows, but you also don't get the beautiful highs that we were used to getting in Edmonton. So our summer was felt obscenely short. <laughs> and now we're in the rainy season where it just seems to rain and be overcast all day, every day. This <laughs> <laughs> is probably a bit naive of me to think it would be any different, but there we go. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> and and for me, I I think it's... For me, the real um, wilderness, like um, I'm able to find some places here in the Netherlands where I can ride my bicycle to the sea or, or something like that and find a place where there aren't too many people. But I really like realize that back in Canada, I could go to uh, Elk Island National Park, for example, and I could go snowshoeing in the winter or go for a hike and be out there for three or four hours and not see anybody and not see any sign of life, maybe hear the occasional airplane fly over or something like that. But you really can disconnect from society and just go into nature in Canada. And, and it's something that you don't really think of until you live somewhere else. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the plan 
on, as far as staying there, are you guys are you guys kind of there for however long you want, or is there an is there an exit strategy? Well, right now we've uh, we've we have a year lease um, until um, the spring the spring of next year, and then um, at this point, right now, we're starting to uh, put ourselves out there in the job market and. Um, you know, just begin that process of looking for work here and see how that goes. And if if something happens, that'd be exciting, and we'll pursue it. And if not, then then who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go back home. But I think uh, you know we invested a lot to come here, and um, I think we'd like to stay and see it through. I guess yeah. maybe eventually uh, we might master the language. Some days it seems possible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess um, you know, as long as as we want to stay here, as long as uh, we can get ourselves enmeshed into the community and work life and all that. Cool. And you guys have been uh, you've been documenting your travels. Where can people uh, read more about what's going on in your lives? Travelingshoes.com. So we've uh, before we really finalized or move over here we set up our blog and we started documenting the process and and just really making ourselves a little bit more vulnerable than on Facebook because now we're sharing with people that we don't necessarily know yeah um, and we're finding it really fun and we've got people that message us on Twitter uh, message us on different platforms that live in the Netherlands or maybe that have traveled to the Netherlands and they're really excited to see what we're doing so it, it's it's been really fun to share with people we don't know, but also for the people that we do know, um, to let us stay connected and let them uh, stay connected as well. That's T-R-A-V-E-L-L-I-N-G-S-H-U-S dot com. Check out their website and follow their adventures, and maybe leave them a comment or two, and let them know that Canada's watching them on their big adventure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you like this episode, do us a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Bye.